Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Thanks for coming on. We uh, appreciate it and uh, excited to have you on this podcast and appreciate your time. I wanted to just dive right into the episode and uh, get right into talking about that 28 gauge. Was that, uh, I kind of want to know, was that your idea to put that together with Benelli or did that just come about and you? And I, <laughs> I, I highly doubt it was my idea, but <laughs> I certainly, uh, certainly was a proponent for it. That 28 gauge is a, uh, unbelievable gun did you shoot it the majority of the time last year or was it just something you kind of used here and there yeah i mean i would say i don't know i probably shot it 60 percent of the time and shot the 20 gauge 40 percent of the time and i don't really know what made me uh take one versus the other i love the 28 and i love the 20 bulls yeah now, it's uh, is there a specific ammo that you're wanting to shoot with it, or do you? I mean, you use that. I know you use that heavy twelve. That's kind of what when I seen your Instagram post last year, I was like, I got to get that gun because I that was brand new at the time, and I seen you were pairing that with the three inch heavy twelve, and uh, I used heavy twelve for the twelve gauge, but I'm excited to use it for my twenty eight this year because I got the end up getting the same gun this year. Is it just? Yeah, a, I, I was shooting. Uh... They, I got a couple boxes of the three inch 28 in heavy 12. Um, and it was man, I, I just don't know how you could feel under gun one bit shooting it. Mm. Incredible, incredible patterns. And you know, the heavy 12, <clears throat> excuse me, which is the it's the original heavy shot in, in a 25 round offering. I mean, it's still to me the, the best waterfowl load I've ever shot. I mean, if you look at the 
if you look at the science, I mean, outside of TSS, which is in a league of its own, and also is price-wise, uh, the the heavy twelve, the original heavy shot, the heavy twelve is, is the densest stuff there is, yeah. and it's it hits it hits extremely hard. Hey, um, Tony. So, what made you go with? Was there anything specific that made you choose uh, the Benelli uh, Ethos Cordoba versus um, like a Super Black Eagle? Because I know. Um, just looking at that, they kind of market that a little bit more as like a field gun in the past. Uh, and I know the Cordoba has the three inch chamber. Um, did the was did the Black Eagle have a three inch chamber last year, or is that something new for this year? Or what made you pick the uh, the Ethos versus the Black Eagle? Well, when <clears throat> when I first started shooting a twenty eight gauge, it was the the Ethos Cordoba. But it was the beautiful, you know, beautiful wood, beautiful engraved uh, metal and everything. I mean, it was just a, a beautiful gun. And I, I felt felt horrible taking it out on rainy day, <laughs> even though, you know, it's just a tool. Um, took it out on a lot of, a lot of sunny days. But then the, the, first, the first one they came out with in synthetic was the uh, Ethos Cordoba Best. <clears throat> Excuse me which the best has the Benelli surface treatment, which is unbelievable. Like I'm not, I'm not one to, uh, I'm sure you guys aren't either. I'm not one to put a lot of time into cleaning guns. <laughs> it's just uh, a part of my day. I just don't devote the time to shoot a little oil in them every three or four days and tip them upside down and call it good. And that, that best treatment has, a, I believe it's a 25 year, guarantee on it i mean you can put it in salt water you can dunk it in the lake you can do whatever you want with it and it's not going to rust and that's a that's a big big deal for me yeah that's yeah. amazing yeah. now did you use that when you went on your eider hunt tony actually uh no we didn't have it then uh, when i was up there that was uh the very we had the first i think there was five of them the first five prototypes of the super black eagle 312 gauge um, the the best coating still wasn't out yet. Hmm. Was but it back was to it, that? Was it last year that? Go ahead. Sorry. The uh, it's probably been three years, I think, since the since the best treatment came out. But on back to the twenty eight gauge, the 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 first one that came out in synthetic was the Ethos Cordoba Best, and that's the one that I got last year and now this year they brought out the, the super black eagle 328 which mm. i'm sure is absolutely incredible i haven't got one yet it's on order but <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> well let me ask you what kind of thomas was kind of asking us a little bit ago but what's the now that they're both out i mean obviously you're getting but you you have one and you're getting the other one but you can go read online and see the differences, but like what in your mind, is it just for you to buy both? Is it just to have them or is there a difference that you would use one versus the other? Um, I don't think there's a difference as far as use one versus the other. Um, I love the, the SBE three platform, um, the, in the 12 gauge, which I shot, you know, the original prototypes up in Alaska. And then I've got the, Super Black Eagle 320 gauge, which is is awesome. I just I love the the SBE three platform. Mm. Uh, never failed. It's got the, you know a lot of features like from my M220 gauge. It's got a lot of great features that it doesn't have. 
And the M220 gauge is an absolute workhorse. But, it, you know, redesigned bowl, um, some improved recoil system. Uh, it's just a, a lot of things that, you know, people, I get the question a lot, would you buy the M2 or the Super Black Eagle? And I always tell them Super Black Eagle 3. I mean, it's it's the finest shotgun I've ever shot huh. in either either i mean any of the offerings and i haven't shot the 28 gauge but i i can't imagine it won't be the same as the 12 and the 20 mm-hmm. what makes you like that and i didn't mean to get stuck on the guns like this but what makes you like um the benelli platform i mean i'm sure you know any of us know like waterfowlers it's like it's just whatever your preference is and what feels right throwing something to your shoulder that's what i've always said and the reason i've always been a big uh browning advocate but i no, it's probably going to be while well, I'm thinking before they come out with the 28 gauge for Browning. So I just I was like, I'm going to get this gun because I've been wanting a 28 for probably three years. And once I seen the three inch, 28 inch barrel, I was like, I got to get this gun. But I mean, uh, is there have you ever shot any other ones? And is there is what's your preference to it? is it just because they can take a beating or what? Yeah, for me, the, you know, I've seen I've seen all different varieties of uh, come through Habitat Flats. I started shooting Benelli's when they first came across the pond. Um, <clears throat> the the Super 90 was the first one, and it's been a long time ago. And I've just issue with them. I mean, they've always they've always shot when I wanted them to. Um, very little little maintenance. But it, to me, it's the difference between an inertia system gun and a gas gun. Um, I've seen a lot of gas guns get kind of finicky if they get dirty. Uh, I personally haven't, haven't shot gas guns. I mean, all I've shot is Benelli's, uh, but I've just never had a problem with it. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, it's, it's just like anything. Some guys like Ford, some guys like Chevy's, mm-hmm. you get, get a good one and, and that's what you stick with. And, uh, Benelli has always been, always been the best for me. Uh-huh. Now, back to ammo, because we barely touched on it. Um, how long have you been shooting heavy shot product? I'm just curious, because they've been around quite a while. And again, I'm like you said, I'm sure this is the kind of guy you are, is you don't just do something because it's about working with somebody or this or that. It's about what you believe in. And we are major advocates, whether we worked with heavy shot or not, I'd be buying that product. I mean, I'm a big, big fan, Thomas, too, of heavy bismuth. But uh, how long have you been shooting heavy shot product and like kind of what's your favorite in that line and they're all good man that's a good question i don't know how long it's been it's been a long time mm-hmm. um i've shot shot everything everything in their lineup I mean, like you said the business is is really good um my my favorite is is has always been the original heavy shot which is now even better which is heavy 12 because it's offered in the 25 round 25 round box instead of 10 and it's a lot more affordable mm-hmm. uh, that's that's definitely my favorite um, but the business would would probably be a close second mm-hmm. yeah the yeah. heavy metal god i've shot cases and cases and cases of heavy metal snow goose hunting and, and never had an issue with it is that your go-to for snow goose yeah that, that's what i usually shoot the most is, mm-hmm. is the heavy metal yeah, that we remember the first time. I think Thomas, weren't you the one that shot that very first time you bought a box of that in Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah, we went to Wisconsin and uh, we didn't fly with any ammo, so we went down to what was it? What was that store they have in Wisconsin? I can't even remember. Is it F- Farm Fleet or 
Farm Farm and Fleet. Yeah, Farm and Fleet. Fleet. That store is awesome. We don't have any of those in California, but we went over there, and uh, they – I don't really know what made me pick that out. I don't know if they were kind of short and they only had that or if I just wanted to try something new because before then I was just shooting um, Super X. But I I bought some heavy metal, I think it was number fours. Mm. And uh, we were were duck hunting and uh, some honkers came in. And I think, I don't know, it wasn't, it was a decent little shot. They're probably 35, 40 yards. And, uh, I mean that's <laughs> that uh, honker just stone cold dead. It didn't flinch when it hit the water, and I was I looked at Titus and I'm like, "What in the world?" Because you know, used to shooting Super X, you know, a lot of times you got to make a second and third shot to finish them off, you know, because they're not. I don't, it just doesn't have the power, you know, the density that uh, the heavy metal did. But so ever since then, I was kind of believer. I think ever since after that, mm-hmm. we've shot heavy metal. And then after that, moved to heavy bismuth and fell in love with that. I don't, I don't shoot too much heavy metal anymore. I will. I have some, but, um, man, I fell in love with heavy bismuth so much. <laughs> and then a heavy 12 last year, we tried it out a little bit for the first time. That stuff is just incredible. Yeah, it is, for sure. I mean, for me, it, it's kind of like, you know, if you spend as much time doing what you love to do then you know the ammo is, is honestly the, the smallest part of the hunt i mean why would you shortchange yourself on on what's going to seal the deal you know your mm-hmm. gun and your that's what's going to seal the deal yeah and, and that's really a, a pretty small part of the hunt when you look at fuel boats decoys all that stuff mm. It, it's 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 hard for me to to justify not going with the best. Right. Yeah, and then you're actually shooting less shells because mm-hmm. you're not having to deal with cripples. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was the big light switch for me, especially when I seen that as tough as honkers are, and seen that thing fold like a wet rag. And then I went, I started shooting it as well, and then going to the bismuth because a, pe- a lot of people will say, ah, it's it, it's expensive, this and that, you know, and especially the last year or two the way everything has went up fuel like you said ammo all that stuff but it's like in all reality i've kind of tracked the numbers of shells shot for a season and it's by far less with more birds because i'm like you said not doing having to do a follow shot shot every time you know it's penetrating the density is going through that feather you know density and going right into the bird so it makes a huge difference but um So what do you got going on? I know this is the off season, but for a lot of us, but for you, it's probably a super busy season getting everything ready at Habitat Flats. Yeah, I mean, this is the off season, quote unquote, is it's probably my busiest time of year. I mean, duck hunting's vacation. It's easy. <laughs> but this time of year, uh, getting getting our crops in. Um, got got everything in for now. It, it's gotten kind of wet, so looks like I'm going to have to replant a couple of spots. But all in all, everything looks good. Um, kind of the beginning, you know, after snowy season, getting everything ready, and then we'll start planting. And uh, once planting's done, you know, then it's just a lot of spraying and mowing. And then it's time to start working on wetlands. And the wetlands are, are way more work than, than ag ground. Um, because they're wetlands for a reason. I mean, they're always wet. So you kind of get them dried out to where you can disc and spray and 
and kind of take care of the non-desirable species that are growing and, and propagate the good ones. And then where you can't, you know, you'll work it up and plant jap millet, buckwheat, um, a number of different things. It's it's a busy, busy time of year. What's your kind of go-to uh, to plant that you knows the birds like the most? To me, it's it's hard to hard to say a best just because you know their their nutritional needs change throughout the season based on you know the temperature i mean when it's warmer they can get away with they eat a lot of bugs and bugs get overlooked but uh bugs and invertebrates but your moist soil foods millet smartweed panicum stuff like that is going to be way 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 better than than ag ag foods corn and beans as it gets colder then it you know they're going to transition over they're going to need the higher carb food they're going to go more towards like your corn and beans um but i think to have and hold ducks throughout a 60-day season you got to have a lot of variety just because their their needs are going to change and if you look you know like i'm not sure how it is in california i've never hunted there but um, I'm sure that they probably use different types of habitat between the early season and the late season out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's kind of my thing is, is we, the deal for us has been is just no water. And I, I feel like, I don't know if you think this too, Travis, but I feel like our whole lives they've been talking about no water. So, yeah. And I don't think it's so much an issue of, I mean, we do have, Less water at times, but uh, with the environmental um, agenda here, they just do not manage it well. Manage it and mm-hmm. store water mm-hmm. for use. They they just let it go, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, their big thing here is is the salmon coming up the rivers, um, you know. And that, I think that's important, you know, to keep that going. But the amount of water they let out just to have fish come up a river mm-hmm. is is absurd, and they. And we need to build more dams here in California, There's, but they environmentalists just block it at every turn of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. <clears throat> like where where we're at, Missouri. I mean, we're we're very fortunate. Um, you know, we we don't have any water restrictions, any water rights. You can pump out of a creek. You can wow drill a drill a well wherever you. <laughs> so you guys don't pay that's for crazy. water by the foot, then? No, no. <laughs> no we had. We had a lodge in Kansas that we sold, and uh, water rights are a son of a gun out there. Um, they tell you how many gallons you can pump and when you when and if you can pump it. Yes, mm-hmm. that's, that's how it is like out here. Yeah, and that yeah. to me just blows my mind. Like the last, uh, we bought a farm in Kansas. It was like 170 acres or something like that, and it bordered the river. It was flat, kind of right by the refuge. I mean, it was going to be, it was going to be a good one. And uh, applied for water rights, and they're like, yeah, you, you get water rights. You get seven acres of water a foot deep. We're like, whoa, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, Ain't quite been, enough. If it had been Missouri, you'd cut it into 40-acre units and put a well in each one of them. But yeah. it's, just, it's, it's weird how you know different areas of the country, how precious a resource water really is. Yeah. No, Tony, birds um, – Talking ducks there at Habitat Flats, do you guys target primary species? You know, are you looking mostly to get mallards? Um, I don't, I guess that's 
nationwide. They yeah. only shoot one pintail, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely target mallards. Um, that's probably our, well, I mean, it's our number one duck for sure. But we have have a ton of variety, especially early in the season. I mean, pintails, teal, widgeons, gadwall, shovelers. I mean, pretty much every species of puddler. We see a lot of divers, uh, ringnecks, cans, redheads, all that stuff. But by and large, by and large, we're hunting mallards. Yeah. You guys get any cinnamon till there? We've, we uh, are way too far east for that, but we killed okay. one last year or two I think it was two years ago, we killed one cinnamon teal. <laughs> and it's the only one anybody's ever seen around here. Wow. Killed some neat stuff, though. We've killed a, a cinnamon teal, and then we've killed a killed a few scoters. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> they were lost. That's crazy. I thought it was really weird. That, that big, I think it was Hurricane Sandy uh, wow. several years ago. Big northeast wind up there, up there in the northeast, and like a day after that, we killed a scoter. <laughs> it pushed them over, huh? Yeah, I mean that that's kind of what we thought. Since then, I think I've kind of come to find out they're they're shooting quite a few scoters on the Great Lakes and whatnot. So it might not be as odd as I think it is, but either way, a, a scoter yeah, but a, Missouri, you're scoter. not too close to the Great Lakes, are you? <laughs> no, no. You think they're traveling from there to the to the Gulf or back over to the East Coast or? Man, I don't know. I think they... <laughs> that's bizarre. <laughs> it is bizarre. Mm. That's kind of funny you said that because we actually, uh, actually shot a scoter, or yeah, that was mm-hmm. a scoter. Yeah, um, scoter in an area where you would not shoot. It was like a, a mountain refuge, pretty much. And there was a, a scoter up there that actually it took us a minute to figure out what it was because we knew it was a duck, but it was like, <laughs> it was a hen, hen uh, surf scoter. Yeah. And uh, we have those in, in the, uh, in our Bay Area a lot, but never shot it on a, um, you know, a public refuge, of what, like 300 miles inland yeah, or three something? Yeah, or 400, yeah. So that was pretty funny. That's crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's crazy what what some of these birds will do and where they'll go and where they'll end up, how far they'll go back north or how yeah. how far they'll end up west when they get back to breeding grounds. I mean, it's it's really neat to look at some of the the band reports yeah. and some of the the tracking information when they put the trackers on them. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, um, do you uh, do a lot of off season training with your dogs, or do you have guys doing that for you, or how do you guys go about that? Well, I used to do my first dog. I I did it myself, and uh, it's just gotten to be a little bit, a little bit too busy um, with with farming and the and the management work. Uh, but we have we have a kennel here at Habitat Flats. Habitat Flats Kennels um, got some great trainers, beautiful facility, and uh, my dogs are out there now. Except for I've got I've got one puppy here at the house now, and whew, been a while since I've had a puppy. Right? <laughs> a lot of work, huh? It is. It is. And you know, it's just I've got a lot more work in the summer, farming and and with the management. And I've got two little girls now, which yeah. you know, if I've got some free time after doing that, I, I definitely want to spend time with my family. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's priority for sure. 
Yeah, I see. I seen that on your Instagram there. Uh, what is your one daughter's name? I know you got two, but the one daughter's name Vivian. My oldest is named Vivian. She's thirteen, but I seen her. She seems like pretty good of a little crack shot there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, man. She's. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. You know how it is having having girls. I I think that putting the the right tools in their hand and and uh, educating them is this will be something that hopefully we'll be able to do forever. And maybe we'll be going to dance recitals and all that stuff here in a couple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's I mean that's kind of every every kid's different, even with boys too. But my one daughter, she likes my oldest one. She likes to go out there, but she I've kind of realized this year because I've taken her on junior hunts for the last two, three years or whatever, and kind of realized and it's totally okay, you know. As a dad, I don't mind if she doesn't want to kill you know a duck or whatever, but she loves going out there. But she's like. This year, she told me, I don't really want to kill something. And I was like, really? Okay, that's no problem. She kind of had a little breakdown. She thought she was going to disappoint me. I'm like, I don't care. You know, it's totally fine. Just spending time doing whatever you want to do. Because that's, you know, I want to be kind of dad. You know, you just take them, do what they want to do. It's not about what I want to do. And now my other one, <laughs> she's 10. Her name's Violet. And she's all, give me that gun. I'll shoot it. <laughs> so there's a totally different mentality there. It's just funny. Each kid's different. No, it's neat. I mean, there's there's no pressure. I mean, the no. and really look back on it, you know, these guys have killed a lot of stuff. I mean, once you get past all that, I mean, in the actual hunt, the pulling of the trigger is the the least. I don't know how to say it, you know, the the, yeah. the less, you know, it's not even important. Right. The rest of the hunt is what really makes it: the dogs, the camaraderie, and. Yeah, and it's got to be neat seeing the amount of work that you put in, you know, when it finally, you know, when the birds start moving in and, you know, you see see the, the amount of birds coming in there. It's got to be really rewarding just to see that, you know, just to sit back and watch them fly and, you know. It's really cool. I mean, I, I love the, the management and the conservation aspect of it anymore just as much as the hunt. I mean, you're out there sweating and. You know, it's summer, it's hot, buggy. It's just sometimes it can be miserable, but, you, but you're always thinking about mm-hmm. what's this look like here in three yeah. months. Yeah. What's it going to produce? Mm. Yeah. Is anything going to like this little change? Is anything going to hit this spot? What about levy here? What about changing this? You're always making little changes, and then, you know, to see it come to fruition in the fall is, is, is very rewarding. Are you keeping a like a notepad? Because I mean, that's that's a lot to man. I don't know how many acres you have there, but if you can say that, and then like, are you keeping like a notepad with notes over the years, you know, of everything, how what works, what doesn't? Yeah, I kind of I kind of keep some of that written down, and and a lot of it is in my head, but I do jot jot quite a bit of it down. I don't know. We've probably got man, I don't know, four thousand some acres, maybe. I, I don't know what it is between the the two lodges here in Missouri. Mm-hmm. It's quite a bit. It's uh, it's plenty. It's enough enough work for sure. Yeah. But it's really, really, really neat to go out there in the fall after you've you know hunted in the morning, had a good hunt, and go out there in the evenings and and watch them watch them all coming in. I mean that's that's really really cool. Now, do you guys keep your hunts exclusively to morning hunts or? Um, no, not necessarily. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how cold it gets out, out in California. Um, but out here we have kind of what we call the 20 degree rule. And if it gets below 20 at night, typically they're going to move 
middle part of the day, early afternoon when it warms up a little bit. And if it's above that, they'll move in the mornings. Um, so we kind of, we don't, we don't just limit it to morning. We're going to hunt when we think they're, when we think we can kill them. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, Tony, do you guys, uh, do you keep ponds there on the property for, um, for habitat for nesting birds or do they kind of move out of there? How does that work? Well, actually, yeah, there's, I mean, there's very, very few that, that nest right around here, which is kind of weird, but I, I guess I shouldn't say weird. You know, most of them are going a lot further north, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of good wetland habitat around here throughout the summer. And you would think there, there'd be a few more hang around, but you know, I might see three or four mallard broods, uh, 10 or 15 wood ducks. I mean, there's there's some wood ducks that, that okay. nest around, but very few, very few other ducks. Yeah. Most all of them go back north. Gotcha. But we do keep, we keep a lot of water on the, on the moist oil stuff throughout the spring to, uh, to help feed them as they go back north. Now, is it like doing all that and managing that, did someone kind of teach you and mentor you about that, or has that just been like a trial and error thing? Man, it, yeah, I've definitely been mentored. Uh, my grandfather had a couple duck clubs on the Illinois River when I was a kid. Um, my uncle worked for the for the state of Illinois, and he helped manage a couple refuges there. And he taught me a ton, but I mean, hunting – Hunting and doing this stuff is, is something I've been doing as long as I can remember. My dad and uncle said they took me to blind the first time when I was in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> kind of all I've ever known. I mean, we yeah. we worked on hunting stuff and went hunting and went fishing. I mean, thank God we didn't have iPads back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> call, of, call of duty, right? Yeah, I mean we we spent our our uh, anytime we weren't in school we spent it outdoors. Yeah. Now, how did you get involved with baseball? I mean, being hunting all the time, was that just something you kind of did on the side or? Yeah. I mean, I always played baseball in the summers, um, you know, played football. You played, played football, you know, Friday night, you played football and Saturday morning you went duck hunting. <laughs> That's how the way it was growing up. Sports is always a big thing. Yeah. Uh, went and played, uh, played college and, and really that's what brought me to Missouri um, cause I grew up in Illinois. Mm. So I got down here and, and, uh, it seemed like, you know, we had really, really good duck hunt when I was a kid on the Illinois river. Uh, but it seemed like the flyway was maybe shifting a little further West mm-hmm. when I came to college in Missouri and, and found all these ducks. I was like, Holy cow. I'm <laughs> Thought you went to heaven. Found the promised land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here I am still. well that that you've been hunting for quite a while too so have you felt like you know you always kind of hear these things and see these things about hunting's not what duck hunting it's not what it used to be and you do see a lot of videos where you're like my goodness i've never seen birds like that like you see some of those old footage back way long ago but i mean do you think it's still really i mean because we all we hunt as public land majority of the time 90 nine percent of the time <laughs> literally yeah. but i mean do you think it's still as good and there's just people that are saying it's not as it used to be or do you think it really has kind of degraded just the way things are managed i guess i can't i can't say 
with with the exception of my area of the country. Uh, but growing up in Illinois, hunting public land a lot, and then getting to hunt my grandpa's clubs um, after that, you know, Illinois is, just doesn't have good public land. I mean, it's got some public land, but it's terrible. It's not managed. Uh, it's just open to the public, more or less. And then when you come to the state of Missouri, the Missouri Department of Conservation is very well funded, and they put put a great deal of effort in providing solid habitat. And, uh, I mean, it's a night and day difference. I mean, the hunting in Missouri today, I think, is as good as it was the first time I hunted it 22 or three years ago. Wow. And I think it's gotten better, honestly. It seems like, uh, and part of that is the winters. I mean, you hear the the short stopping and, oh, you know, people are flooding crops and all this stuff up and down the flyway. But the fact matter is we just don't have winters like we used to. Mm. I mean, weather is still going to move birds. It doesn't matter if it's in California or Missouri or yeah. Canada or anywhere. And, you know, when I was a kid in Illinois, everybody had snowmobiles. And you can go through town now and you can't find one. We don't wow. Yeah. You don't, you don't have snow to cover up all the dry fields and whatnot. They're, they're not going to leave. I mean, they're going to find open water, whether it's, you know, behind a dam on a big river system or an industrial fountain in town or whatever. They, they can find water. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ducks that, and geese that don't go any further south than then they have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which anymore leaves, leaves a lot of them. By yeah. the way, it's normal. Yeah. The, the old traditional wintering grounds. You're right. Now, Tony, is there any place that you, you haven't hunted ducks? I'm talking like, you know, internationally that you, that you want to go. Oh man. I'm sure I would love to do it all. Honestly, but <laughs> maybe new, I wouldn't mind seeing New Zealand once. Yeah. Um, just because I, I love to shoot mallards. Well, don't get me wrong. I'm not a, well, I'm kind of a mallard peer. <laughs> be honest. It's hard be honest not to here. be. Yeah. Yeah, That's I, all I right. Shoot. We're like that too. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I love to shoot teal. I love, yeah. love to shoot balls. I'll shoot it all. But yeah. I just, to me, you cannot replace the way a flock of mallards is flying by and yeah. you hit them with a ball and one of them just breaks his neck looking back and then boom sets the wings and here they all come yeah mm-hmm. it's hard to do with other species at least for me yeah and now um i want to take up a ton more of your time but i'd like to talk a little bit more maybe we'll wrap this up i know you're busy but what about that Charles kind of brought up your uh trip to go after the king eiders what was that whole like can you kind of walk us through that from you know going out there planning it um, that's uh, on my bucket list for sure is to shoot one of those. I feel like one of these days they're going to go extinct, honestly, and not let us shoot them anymore. But what was that whole – what year was that? And, like, what was that whole experience? Kind of walk us through the whole trip and everything. Man, it was it was unbelievable. Uh, I'm trying to think what year that was. My daughter was little. It's uh, probably, like, 2015 maybe or – early 2016 even 2007 somewhere right in there 2016 2016 ish um and was invited to go with with the benelli guys who they had the the first prototypes of the super black eagle three and uh like you want to go up to alaska i'm like yeah you bet and uh <laughs> we go up there and it was like mind-blowing 
Like you're, it's just just to get there is such a is such a chore. Like I'll never forget it. We were, I think we were in Anchorage, getting ready to go the last flight out to St. Paul Island, and this lady, she's coming around, and you know we had a bunch of the guys had a whole bunch of camera gear and we had guns and ammo and all this, and she's kind of coming around like, hey, what, what's your bag? With? Uh, hell, I don't know, thirty pounds, forty pounds. Oh, okay, okay. And then she'd go to somebody else, find somebody like, uh, what, what's going on? She's like, well, you pretty much have just enough fuel to get to the island, and our scales broke, so we have to kind of guess this right. And we're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not something you want to hear, really. No, no, it's a little, little plane, and uh, you know, like uh, looking over the pilot's shoulder and whatnot. And, Man. Start taking fun. stuff out of your bags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fun bunch of guys, man. We had a ball out there, um, but it's 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 remote. I mean, we stayed, you know, stayed in a little house apartment type deal, and outside of that, there there isn't much there. Yeah. I mean, what's really cool is the the uh, deadliest catch boats were offloading like whatever, a couple hundred yards away. And wow. they went over and got crab right off the boat one one oh, night. Man. But it's it's just a different different world. I mean, it's so remote. There's nothing over, I don't know, probably knee high on the island because the wind blows so hard. Hmm. It's a it's the it's a challenging hunt. I mean, especially especially for somebody from the Midwest that hasn't spent much time on an ocean. Like the first morning, we get out and go, and I didn't even realize. It that you go in go in on the ocean in the dark in these little boats. I just figured the sun came. I'd have just oh, closed no. my eyes and just prayed till we got there. <laughs> yeah. It was it was pretty cool. It was really, really neat neat experience. So you just took a, a small boat out to the island or wherever it was you guys were shooting them? Yes. Yeah, so you're basically you're you're staying on the island and then uh, you've got little uh zodiacs i don't remember what they are 10 or 12 foot inflatable rafts with a nine nine and uh you launch them like like navy seals off the beach (laughs) (laughs) going into battle huh yeah run them out in the surf and jump in them wow and then you go whatever a quarter half mile off offshore and it's you know it's really cold you're in the middle of the Bering Sea in January, but you can't imagine the the life out there. I mean, not just not just sea ducks, but I don't even know what kind of birds they are, but just thousands upon thousands of birds flying around. Hmm. I mean, it's super super cool to see that kind of life out in the middle of that desolate desolate was, country. Was there like little smaller islands that you guys sat on to shoot those birds, or did you shoot them out of a, a boat? Right. We shot them on the raft. So oh, the raft. You're mm. Yeah, you're on your knees, mm. and they, they'll put a, a line, a long line out right. with two or three decoys, and half the time, you can't even see the decoys. I mean, the waves are... Mm. That's some difficult shooting, huh? Oh, yeah, super tough. Yeah. But it, it's super cool. Um, a lot of times, you know, you're within probably half mile of, of the the coast, the, the, the shoreline, but you feel pretty pretty damn small in a 
Ten foot raft and yeah. little banks. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have to fight? So something I thought was interesting. What was the name of that lake in Wisconsin? We hunted out at Lake uh, uh, Michigan. Lake Michigan. Yeah. And uh, we were me and Thomas, or at least I was. I was a little concerned that I was going to get seasick. And he's like, because I mean, it's let's be honest, it's like you feel like you're in the ocean. It's so big, you know. And he's like, oh, no. Yeah. He goes, you won't get sick out here because the the way I guess the chop is. Versus an ocean's totally different. So, did you end up fighting a little bit of seasickness out there, or did you knock it out quick and get back on land? Man, I got I got super super lucky. Um, I mean, I've been in boats hunting and fishing my entire life, so I didn't even think anything of it. Mm. And didn't cool. even have a care in the world. And uh, like once we got on the island, they're like, "Yeah, you know, you're gonna get seasick. Try to look at look at shoreline." I'm like, "Yeah, whatever, I'm gonna get seasick." <laughs> good advice and so we go out there in the dark that first morning and i don't know how big the waves are six seven feet maybe i don't know just big just big swells though i mean it's not a chop just great big swells and i was looking at the lights from the the processing plant there where they dropped the crabs off no big deal whatever and i reached down to i was out of coffee i reached down to grab my thermos and I dropped it and I put my head down in the boat for like, I mean, I'm talking split second. And it was like, holy cow, I could feel it in my guts. And I stood up or sat up real quick and started looking at the shoreline. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to me. Oh. <laughs> I'm such a rookie here. It lasted maybe 15 seconds and was gone and I didn't have it the rest of the trip. But there's a lot of people get really sick. Oh, you, yeah, you looked out. I did some deep sea fishing, boy. <laughs> I think it. I was stuff was coming up from like two days prior to that trip, man. It was brutal, but yeah, that's on the list. I hopefully I can do that one day. But uh, man, uh, appreciate you. you. Can do it. It's neat. I I hope I got to put that on there. You know, I know I know some people think of it as like, man, it's a lot of money for what you know. Some people say this, oh, that's a lot of money for a bird, but they think they think that that we're crazy about mallards. You know, like. Oh, you're all spent all that money and the clothes and guns and ammo for a little old duck, you know. And I'm talking about big game guys, you know. They just give us a hard time, but yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. And it's there's nothing like it. Well, like you said though, the you're a lot of that too is you got to think about that you're paying for an experience, mm-hmm. not just the journey. A bird, you know. Yeah. And that's to me, that's like that with any bird hunting or big game hunting or you know whatever. There's more. There's more than just the animals. It's just it's the experience that you see things that you would never see or experience if you, you know, sit on the couch, don't get out in the outdoors. Hard to hard to put a price on a memory. Yeah, it is. You know, it's so weird yeah. too when you look back. Yeah. Go ahead. We were talking about that heavy heavy metal earlier. That's what I was shooting up there mm. with sea ducks. It was it was good stuff. Now, is oh. it one a day? I can't remember, or is it just one for the season for a king eider? You can shoot, I believe, as a non-resident four, okay. but four four for the season. Like I, I killed, I killed my four. I believe it was. I think you could probably kill them in the same day. That part I can't remember. Huh. Um, but I think you get four, four king eiders, four harlequins, and. And maybe four old squaws or long tail of them they're called now. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's be politically correct. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, you, if you look at 
pulling the trigger is a long ways to go, but man, it's something you never forget. Oh man, yeah. I so what real quick, and we'll end this. What size shot we're using? I'm curious because obviously a bird, a trophy bird like that. I mean, at least you have four for mounting purposes. That if you you don't want to tear them up too much. Did you shoot like a six shot to kind of not tear it up? No, I, I believe I was shooting fours. Um, I think I was shooting fours. Now, you know, you're in those in those boats and. And it's not like they're decoying perfect. It's a lot of 30 to 40, 50 yard shots. I mean, we didn't really take any anything past 40 just because if, if you wound one, well, I guess I'd, we didn't, we didn't wound any, but, but they say if you wound them, you know, you got a pretty small chance of getting them back just because they'll dive and they'll go, they might swim 300 yards underwater. Yeah. That was like Isn't the old amazing? squad too. They did that to us. Yeah. But we didn't have no six or seven foot swells either. Or we really never would have found them. Yeah, that's amazing. Me, those birds can dive like that. Mm, it's crazy. Well, yeah, Tony, thank I appreciate you coming on, man. I really do. It's a pleasure talking yeah. to you. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, and uh, guys, everybody, check it out. You know, Habitat Flats. If you haven't heard of it before, probably have. But if you haven't, check them out. Where can they find you, at, Tony? If they want to look into hunt with you guys. Um, habitatflats.com is our, our website. You can feel free to email me. It's Tony, T-O-N-Y, at habitatflats.com or, uh, you know, the normal social media platforms, Habitat Flats. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you on the next one. We're excited. Let's go, man.